Welcome, Welcome to the Nightly Rant with your hosts, Mike and Toria. This is the show where we examine society from a sarcastic point of view. If you like insane conversations, this is definitely the show for you. Let's get into today's topic. YPN people, I don't know about you, but I love helping out a friend. That's why I want to shout out my friend Brian Little and his podcast, Your favorite blockhead. This is the only show that manages to weave together peanuts and MMA into one heck of an amazing podcast. You can find your favorite blockhead wherever your favorite podcasts reside and at yourfavoriteblockhead.com. Do me a huge favor and listen to Brian's show. You'll be entertained and you'll help out a friend. Now, as I said, Let's get into today's topic. Well, that day has finally come. That day, it's arrived. Mr. Beans, the, the magical fruit foster dog. He's uh, <laughs> gonna go to. He's gonna go to Puppy Manners. Well, Dog Manners. He's 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 a it's puppy. Not technically he's a puppy old. anymore. What was the age cutoff on that? Age? Sixteen weeks. Sixteen. Who who takes a dog to training at sixteen weeks? But okay, lunatics. Um, well, I guess what is that? Four months? That's probably about right. Four to six months. But can you just imagine to... the chaos? Hmm. I'm worried about the chaos tonight because this dog loves every single person and other dog that he sees, and he can't contain himself. So this is going to be very interesting. That you know, I was thinking though, that may be what breaks him of that habit. Is this I, class? I wonder if we get a refund if he gets kicked out. <laughs> that's that's really My what guess... I want to know. <laughs> My guess is if he bites somebody, no. But if he Yodels is just a bad boy and can't can't handle it, um, <laughs> he he if he can't handle it, they'll kick him out. So, um, where are we going? Uh, SPCA SPCA LA in Long Beach. So that really nice place on Spring Street that looks like a yeah, the same place hotel for dogs. Out. Oh, okay, okay. And where we where we brought Yogi? Okay, yeah. got it. Okay, good. At least I think so. <laughs> uh, so maybe maybe we'll get a refund if they get booted. So um, tonight we have a guest. Um, he his name is Patrick Young, and I, I met him on a local Facebook group during a discussion of the homeless crisis in Orange County and specifically Buena Park. And uh, he he actually asked, can you imagine that, to be on the show? So welcome to the show, Patrick. Thank you very much. So, why don't you tell us your? (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you tell us your thoughts on this homeless situation that we're currently facing? It's crazy. I don't know really where to go with it. Um, I I really don't like the shelter idea. I understand the importance of it. Um. So I started, we've had our conversations on Facebook about it, and I see you're a big proponent of it. So I, I really started looking into it. Like you said, you've asked, what is the actual reasons to not like it? Where, right. where Why so adamant against it? And um, I started really thinking about it, and one lady made a comment the other day um, about how a sober living home, they were looking over the backyard into her yard. So okay. that one really hit me thinking about that. If I were to 
look out my fence, out my my own backyard, seeing somebody that I know who, as far, as far as the homeless, I I I know there's some people that are generally down on their luck, but in my opinion, the majority of them are, I what's the word? Just they ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, now you are you are aware though that statistics don't agree with you on that at all, right? Yes. Like, and I'm and I'm not even talking about just here in Orange County. I'm talking nationwide. The statistics they say roughly, well, it depends on the area you're in, but roughly thirty to forty percent of the people are um, they have addiction problems, and that's why they're on the street because they just can't function in, in society. And then the other sixty percent are just people who. You know, they've been down on their luck and they end up out on the street. And once they're out there for too long, it's very difficult to get back into the swing of things. I, um, I agree 100 percent on that one. The, the time frame is critical because uh, I, I was homeless for a little while myself. Um, and it was and I, I believe this goes for everybody. It, it was a consequence of my own actions. I was making bad decisions. Um, there, there's been posts, you know, people are one paycheck away from being homeless. Um, I, I saw the signs and I, I chose to ignore them. And I just kept, I didn't, uh, let's see where I want to go with this. I, I worked for SoCal Gas. Um, and I, before that, I was a plumbing contractor in the San Fernando Valley. Had a good business. I was the plumber's plumber. so. Um, various plumbing companies would call my guys and we'd go out and do all the dirty jobs for them. All the hard okay. ones. Good living. Um, that was back in early 2000s. So uh, 2007, I get with the gas company. Hey, great career, great benefits. Um, I was part-time as a meter reader talking with them. They're like, oh yeah, you're going to get picked up quick. You know, you're going to get moved up from part-time to full-time within the year. All right, cool. Well, that took three years. Um, and because I drank the Kool-Aid, I started selling off all my tools, my truck, um, all my contacts, my guys, I told them, you know, Hey, this is the route I'm going. You gotta, you know, you gotta find something else. And because I was looking, they were out doing their thing. I was waiting for this before I knew it. Um, I was doing 20 hours a week, making $13 an hour. And that's a that's a huge drop off going from making seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year. Um, and then ended up getting uh some serious issues with my wife, got divorced, and before I knew it, yeah, I'm homeless. I'm living in my my uh toy hauler that I had. And it it took me probably a good year and a half to get out of that situation. And I, I definitely believe that time frame is critical um i i was fortunate that i did have family to help out because i have custody of my two sons um they were real little at the time i want to say they were two and six when wow. everything was happening um but it, it worked out I, I was able to pull through um then i you know i get this job and starts working out and move out here to Anaheim and Hey, it's going great. And I'm living in a nice little apartment and start realizing that Anaheim's not as a uh, Disneyland as I thought it was and starting to get more uh, interaction with the homeless. 
um, at the apartment we were living at where stuff's getting broken into. They're sleeping in our actual carports, dealing with all of that. Um, and I've, I've done, I don't know if you guys noticed on Facebook, I've done a lot of charity work. Um, I try not to toot my homeowner about it, but I, I like helping. Um, I don't, I prefer not to do homeless stuff. I'd rather do like leukemia, cancers, that kind of stuff. Um, but I have done a little bit of work like, um, vet hunters, MC, I ride a motorcycle. Um, they do a lot of stuff where they go directly to pick up veterans and help them out. Don't, when you donate clothes or something, they go find a veteran and help them out. That's um, nice. So it's a, it's a great little program. My, uh, real kicker for the homeless for us, as far as changing my whole perception on them was, uh, we lived over at, um, the Parkdale townhouse community over there at the end of Dale okay. in the 91 my garage looks over looks at the freeway and this was uh let's see we're in 2019 so 2015 through 2017 there is um uh, i didn't realize how bad the homeless are underneath the freeway uh the bridges down there and they basically overtook our complex that they they actually got into one of the units, took it over, made it a drug haven for them, and they were dealing out of there, and they were cutting the fences every night, breaking into the cars every night, coming through the complex, getting their drugs, going straight to Boys Rec Park, various motorhomes were in there. Um, City of Anaheim PD, I, I got to give them credit. They were out there trying to help us out. City of Buena Park was trying to do their part, even though that particular community didn't fall under their jurisdiction, that right. weird little nook. Um, and it, it got bad. I got to see the worst of the worst and uh, got to deal with a lot of people, one-on-one, -on -one, homeless people, one-on-one. -on -one. And I started talking to them. Hey, what's going on? Why? Are, what's your situation? And it, you know, that's that's where I go back and forth between the homeless, um, the issue itself, between how much help are we doing, um, how much money is being thrown to it, how many people actually need help, how many people have just accepted this is their lifestyle, and we as a society look back on it that, oh my God, how can you live like this? Um, and I, I have family members that are homeless. Um, I had, had a, I guess he's a great uncle that 30 something years just lived on the street, veteran and everything else did not want to have a home, did not want to live, did not want to conform. And our whole family's like, we're here to help. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's get back on your feet. And he's like, why? I get a few bucks here and here. I get to do, do my drugs when I want. Nobody tells me what to do. I don't have to worry about the stresses of, of raising my kids. Stresses of bill, stresses of that, and um, it was it was hard to accept. And uh, I, I have another family member that I, I consider homeless, but um, they're not. It's the situation that they're living in. They're living in an RV. I don't agree with why they're doing it, um, but. They're maintaining their job. They're maintaining the kids going to school. But it's like, you know, hey, this this is homeless. You, this is, you're not supposed to be doing this. You should have a, a stable place to go to. Um, you are career-minded. Why, why are you in this situation? And she's just doing her thing. Well, okay. 
I, I understand that's your completely your personal experience, but I've got two things I want to say. One is one is a comment. And then one, I want to tell you about a plan I've been kind of peddling to the government for about four years. Um, and I'll explain the end game of the plan. And then I'll tell you the, the five steps of the plan. So first of all, you're like, let's talk about the people that like took over your apartment complex and, you know, took over one, you know, were squatting in an apartment and using it as a drug den, et cetera. If you go and talk to one of those people, of course, you're going to hear the side of homelessness. That's the druggie that's just doing it for taking advantage because those people were clearly they didn't give a damn that uh, they could take over an apartment that wasn't theirs. Mm -hmm. So they're not exactly, you know, your normal. They're not the outstanding. I could could turn around and give you the story of being out with Buena Park Police and uh, over by Wiley Drake's church and meeting this um, really nice lady. And she was in tears and she said her husband was back there at the church and they weren't letting him leave. And so they sent a police officer over there and they, they got the husband and the three-year-old out of there. And so here's this couple and a three-year-old and they're homeless because um, his similar situation, what you were talking about, his job took him from $60,000 a year down to about $10,000 a year as a part-time employee. So he couldn't afford to live where he was living. Um, but in talking to them, their problem was they didn't, weren't aware of some of the programs that were available to help them get back on their feet. And so, you know, I can, for every story I hear like yours, I can tell two or three like that mm-hmm. um, because there's, you know, there's two sides to the homeless issue. And the problem is you heard the statistic I gave you. It's about 60-40. So for all intents and purposes, it's 50-50, right? So mm-hmm. you got a 50-50 chance of meeting somebody who, you know, for lack of a better term, just lazy and they don't care they want to live that life and you know it's great for them and whatever but here's the thing that brings me exactly to my point of why i have the plan i have the end game is let law enforcement do its job and you know there are several local homeless advocates who actually hate my guts because to (laughs) them they're such bleeding heart that the police should never be involved and i don't agree with that because of exactly what you said even let's say the number is is 40 percent that don't want help. That's 40% of people that just want to live on our streets and steal from us and do all this terrible stuff. I do not claim that that's not true. I think that they are out there like that. So here's my plan. Here's what my plan was. That still leaves 60% who likely want to get off the street somehow, but maybe they've been out there too long. And so they've lost their identification. And, you know, our government makes it really hard. There's a lot of red tape to get through these programs. So the first step in getting the this problem solved is to take the people that want help and give them some kind of transitional housing like these navigation centers that they're talking about key thing here though is there has to be services that wrap around that so the next step is get them paperwork ready find you know get them their id if they don't have their social security card help them get that um connect them up with if they've got substance abuse problems connect them up with people who can help them with that and then put them into more permanent housing. It's still transitional, but put them into something more permanent. Uh, and finally, you're, you're left with everybody that wants help is helped. And you're left with a group of people that don't want any help. Well, then you give them step four, which is you can create, and there's a proposal that's been out there for years, to create like these mobile home park type places where they use like mini homes. And... It's like 150 bucks a month per person to live there. And most of these homeless people have that money. 
and it would give them shelter and it would give them a place to go. Um, and what just happened? I was typing. I said, do we have a breakdown between bad luck situations like I was describing with myself and those that are on the addiction? Yeah, I can, I can pull that up. Um, there's a report that came out about that not that long ago, but, um, the, the, if you move, if you offer them those little houses, um, then finally you're left with the group that we're talking about that they don't care. They, they want to be out on the street. Here it is. Um, but the police can now do something about it because as you know, the courts have said you can't do anything about this until there's resources. And so to me, what happens is the people who are yelling and screaming about not wanting to provide the resources are sort of banging their heads against the wall because it isn't you saying they have to. It isn't me saying they have to. It isn't the mayor saying they have to. It's the courts court. and it's the federal court. And the worst part about it is it's the Ninth Circuit Court and they they govern this part of the country, everything from Idaho to um, Washington, to Oregon, to California, Nevada. And so they have ruled that um, you must provide resources. Well, OK, my plan does exactly that. I mean, I give them multiple types of resources uh, at the end. Let's say let's say 70 percent were still left on the street. Who cares? Police can deal with them. Maybe there's only one person left on the street. Doesn't matter. The police can deal with them. My end game is to allow the police to not be handcuffed. Um, you asked about, so I have in front of me here the, the Orange County 2019 point in time count results. So are you aware of what the point in time count is? Yes. Yeah, that's when okay. you guys physically went out and walked around and counted located yeah. everybody. Yeah. You yeah, I got made fun of for that. They said, yeah, yeah sure, you went and counted the people. <laughs> okay. You don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. that's all right. I saw um, you guys. I saw groups. Go, actually, I with my job, I'm able to go to the field, and I saw you guys out there cruising around looking for people. So yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. good, cool. So the so it says 51.98 percent were chronic homeless, um, and that and that actually doesn't mean what people think it means. It means that for whatever reason, health issues that are eating up their finances or whatever, they're just never able to you know get back going. Yeah. yeah. Like, like things always look great on paper and they just don't seem to work out in, in real life. Then 32.9% are substance abuse issues. 30.8% as a result of physical disability. 26.47% are mental health issues. 13.7% are developmental disabilities. 9.5% are domestic violence. And I don't know why this is a thing, but 1.8% are because of HIV and AIDS. Um, it's, it's strange. That one's strange to me. That one's really strange to me. But the point here is that, um, that's a lot of people that are out there because of, you know, like, okay, substance abuse is 32%. That's it. Mental health is 26%. So you're talking about 50, half of them are out there because of crazy issues. And the other half, they're just down on their luck. Now, wow. the, the key <laughs> part about these statistics is that um, 51% have family in Orange County. How do you like that? 51% um, have attended school in Orange County, and 72% are either working or have worked in Orange County. Um, it even shows, where is it? 22% are, are employed, 55% are unemployed, 18% are disabled, 
and 5% refused to answer. And that was like the thing. We weren't allowed to force it. Read along with you. Because <laughs> I know you put that one post on there. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's a very interesting situation. But like what I, what I continually ask people, and they don't know the answer because I, I'm kind of thinking they don't want to know the answer. But 80%, this is a stat that's held true for years. 80% of the homeless have lived in the county more than 10 years. And their last known permanent address is in the city where they're homeless. So the whole, oh, they dumped people, et cetera. You know, there, there's a gentleman online that's been posting logical points, which I kind of think is cool but funny because nobody cares about logic on Facebook. Um, but he points out, like, you know, what's your argument against a shelter? Well, other cities should be doing it. So you're saying that because other cities aren't doing the right thing, Buena Park shouldn't do the right thing. And that's what you're saying. No, 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 that's not as old. Well, then what are you saying? Well, other cities should step up. Exactly. But shouldn't Buena Park handle its own business? And they can't answer that. Or they'll say um, there's going to be too many homeless near the children. Well, aren't those same homeless already near the children? And to your point about the sober living home and the guy looking over the fence, I don't know if you know this, but in the model of the shelter that they're doing, they have probably 10 security guards on on duty at all times. And they generally build the um, fencing about 10 feet high. Okay, so that, that would be attempt to maintain the privacy, which I, I think that's exactly. some information that should be shared. Uh, well, security that's, guards? The, city, <laughs> the city's done a terrible job of, of, of explaining this. They, I'll be the first to admit. They've done... We, we talked to their marketing person and even she felt they were not doing a great job of being transparent and it, it kind of cost them, you know, but bottom line, you, you have a situation where if they follow these new shelter guidelines, they're not allowed to leave unless they take a shuttle and drive out. Or if they have a car, they can come and go with a car, but those people have jobs. That's why they have a car. Um, most of them. And it's, you know, I did some volunteer work at Bridges Shelter. I've worked with homeless people for on and off for like 25 years. And you know what? I've seen what you've seen, but I've also seen a lot of people who are homeless because they went through a divorce. Yeah, I've, 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 seen, some, I've seen some good stories also. Um, it's it's yeah, not so, all negative. I have seen some some good stories. There are some people that, you know, the uh, I've commented about that on online about it is, you know, okay, say you got 100 people. What are we trying to do? Are we trying to help just that one? Or are we trying to help? Say say there's 10 people that are doing, that are just down on their luck. And then the other, okay, 20 people are down on their luck. The other 80% are mental and addiction. So is that's what the goal is, is that we're trying to reach that 20 before they cross over into the addiction and, and mental um and sure the i kind of two thoughts on same same thought on it um for my my homelessness i believe it for addiction also how do you get out of it well it's, it's the individual there there's they have to reach out and i i think that's one of the hardest things for me is i think we're too much going to them um, that they're not, I, I know that I understand they have limited resources. They're stuck in one spot. Um, 
like city of city of Anaheim, we got to see them. They put 300 people um, placed back with their families in I believe it was 2016. Um, yeah. And the PD just the Anaheim PD. That's one of the things they kept telling us. When you talk to the homeless, they said, stop being confrontational. Um, this is going back to that house over there. They said, stop being confrontational. They said, document it. who's coming back and forth. So that way we know who's coming in and out, who's committing these crimes possibly start putting names and faces to fingerprints and stuff. So what ended up happening was I, I do a lot of work in my garages. So the garage door would be open. Somebody would walk by, I'd go out there. Hey guys, I just want to give you guys a heads up for documentation purposes. I'm taking your picture. Um, this is a, uh, we, the HOA got a court, uh, a no trespassing, I guess, court order. So with the, the PD, so that anybody stepped on that property that didn't live there was, could be arrested immediately for trespassing because the problem was so bad. So that's what we ended up doing is talking to all these various people and then started hearing the different stories of what's going on. Hey, what about this? What about that? Well, did you know that you reach out to city of Anaheim, they can help place you back with whoever. So it, it, some took advantage of it. A lot didn't. I had one guy that he was the drug dealer. Um, he was running on a little scooter and he would haul ass down Dale. There was a little cut in the fence right there. He had put his little scooter through that little Vespa and then ride along the back of the freeway, get to the bridges, sell his crap. That's and, intuitive. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny because I stopped him one day and I said, Hey dude, I can't let you go through this. We're having too much issues. You're, you guys are cutting the fences. This is ridiculous. You know, we got some elderly women here that we're looking out for. We got wives, we got daughters, we got kids. A lot of bad stuff was happening. And they're like, Oh no, you guys are just blaming us. Like, no, no, it, it's, it's happening. You know, I had, I was working out in my garage and I had a guy walk up on the other side of my car scouting my garage and he didn't know I was, I yep. just happened to be down in a push-up position. I saw him underneath the car and I'm going, this son of a bitch, what the hell is he doing? And so I popped up. I was like, hey, what's up, dude? Dude, oh, uh, I'm just tying my shoe. And he went back to the fence and ties his shoe. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, yeah. Well, let, let me ask you something. <laughs> it it kind of sounded earlier like you were saying that you think people need to hit rock bottom before they're going to be willing to get help. Is that what you were sick saying? Sick and tired of being sick and tired. That, okay, but, I but would you agree? That. But would you agree that rock bottom is different for everybody? Yes, it is. Okay, so is it perhaps possible that if someone's out on the street and they're and they're doing drugs or maybe they're just drinking too much or maybe both, and then they're told by the police, well, look, you can either go to jail or you can go into this homeless shelter. So they accept the invitation to go into the homeless, homeless. shelter. Is it, yeah. is it possible that at that point they realize that's their rock bottom and they want help? Hopefully. Do you think that's possible? Hopefully. Okay, so so, awesome so here's what this. I always go by what the real, you know. I mean, there's statistics, and statistics can be manipulated. I get that. Why I why I like to quote some of the statistics though is because nationwide they seem to hold true. So I would kind of feel like, you know, nobody's fudging these. You know, there have to be some massive conspiracy for that to happen. But let's forget about the statistics. Let's just talk about what happens in the real world. You know, um, in many many cities around the world, they've had come as you are housing. So they offer you a place to stay and you're allowed even if you're even if you're a drug addict and alcoholic you're allowed to come and you're allowed to stay there even if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic and what actually has happened we can this is the problem we why i like to use real world examples we can 
um, surmise on our own what might happen, what we think will happen, what our opinion mm-hmm. is will happen. But you can't argue with what actually happens. Like, give me yesterday, my son guaranteed us it would not rain while it rained. <laughs> I mean, he he was sure it wasn't going to rain, but it rained. Well, what happened was these people, for whatever reason, their self esteem slowly got restored, and they started to realize, you know. Five years ago, when I first became homeless, I wasn't a meth addict and I wasn't uh, an alcoholic and I want my life back that I had. And they turned things around and it actually happened in every single circumstance. There has not been a single instance where they have tried housing the homeless that has not worked, not a single instance. And the problem here in Orange County is they think creating an emergency shelter is, and I'm going to use the capital T the solution and it's not it's part of the solution but it's not the solution there has to be a way to give these people back their self-esteem and you know what those who i i I hate to sound harsh but those people who say oh well all they're going to do is do their drugs from their bed etc 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 you know what I'll admit they could be right. There's going to be a percentage that are going to be something to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and you know what? They're never going to change. And eventually they'll get booted out of there and they'll end up in jail. And there you go. Um, And that solves the problem. Exactly. Looking at that point, I'm going, sounds reasonable, but it's like, but how much money do we throw at it? Uh, I love when people ask that question. Patrick, (laughs) you know, my, I know we're already paying for it. Yeah. How much are we paying for it? Do you know? You're paying fifty grand per person. Exactly on the top ten percent. I mean, let's be let's be accurate. It's the top. There, there's they they've ranked these homeless people in like order of like service provider usage, and the top ten percent cost us fifty grand per person per year, and the average is thirty five grand per person per year. So you take thirty five grand and multiply that by seven thousand. That's a lot of money. A literal grab load. <laughs> and if you if you pull them off the street, you're no longer paying the thirty five thousand because the police are not continually having to come out and tell them to move on. Um, the fire department isn't coming out having to rescue them from stupid situations that they get themselves into. Damn and so you save that money <laughs> and you turn that money into housing. And that's how these shelters have survived is that the cities that have them save money. I estimated at one point that Orange County could save $20 million a year savings, including the housing cost. So what you're paying now would be $20 million higher, only you wouldn't have homeless roaming the streets. What was the final tally for the the debacle with the river? That was was, the amount of money on that was just unbelievable. There were 700 people evicted from there, 700. And and see, don't even get me started on that because Mm -hmm. the county completely mishandled that. that one got that was bad that was i i thought the number was up to um 1300 is what the the initial start count was that's the estimate actually yeah. got what was it like 900 into something in the first week it dropped down to two and then it was just yeah it ended hotels up being, got trashed they, and, they placed 700 people out of there but but here here's the problem with how the county handled that no plan. And that's There's been no follow the whole, through. Mm-hmm. Do you know that do you know that when you research this in 1988 the Orange County Grand Jury convened to look at homelessness and they made a recommendation to the board of supervisors on what to do. And at that time the board of supervisors said, "Oh, well, we have $145,000 in the budget for that." Yeah. 
that's going to go a long way towards helping 7,000 homeless people. But okay, they did nothing, basically. Then again, in early 2000s, same kind of report. And now here we are today. So who do you think is really to blame for this crisis? The government. <laughs> because had they acted in 1988, what is that? 31 years ago. My gosh. I was I actually could run a mile without dying back. I didn't oh, exist. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, yeah, it it's it's there's so many problems. And you know, I totally see I graduated I totally see your I totally see your point of view. I do. But if you notice, nothing that you say phases me because yeah. I've heard all these yeah. comments before. And when I created my plan, I didn't just sit down and act like a politician and go okay, how can I look good? That wasn't, my goal was to give the police back their authority because we, we live in a society where, the, to me, the role of government, and I see the police as government, is to arbitrate our rights. That's what their goal, that's what government should be doing is making sure that, you know what, when you're in your house, you can do whatever you want. When I'm in my house, I can do what I want. But when we're out in public together, you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't come up to me and punch me in the head. That's not right. And I shouldn't do the same. Exactly. I shouldn't do that to you either. So we need the police to be able to do their job. And it also, unfortunately, having 7,000 homeless roaming the streets, how many of those do you think are, are um, criminals who are just hiding amongst the homeless? I think it's a lot. I think there's quite a few, even like on our Facebook page, I think there, there's a few that are lingering on there. And I think we've actually made a difference yep. with that by advertising what we're doing, who we're looking out for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your story of your apartment complex kind of proves the point that there's criminals hiding amongst the homeless because that's pretty brazen. Like the normal homeless person, they're going to, they're going to go into your car if you leave it unlocked, but they're not going to break the window. To, you know, they're they, not going to break the window to go situation. in situation. They're going to take a, it, you know, Hey, if the door is unlocked, I'm going to take advantage of it. Grab what I can. I don't want to get caught because that's going to just put me even further back. Yeah. Um, but those people didn't give a damn. They were yeah. taking over an apartment and they dared you to do something. Yeah. And that, that well, guy, that, that, Vespa, it was funny because he started telling me this whole thing. Well, you know, I'm down on my luck. I got two felonies. I can't get a job. So I sell drugs and I'm going, whatever, dude. I, said, I have two felonies, so now I'm committing more. Yeah, I got two <laughs> felonies, so I'm committing more. And the funny thing was, is I said, "All right, I get all that. Reach out to city of, reach out to the one up to the Anaheim PD. They can attempt to help you." And the guy is like, "No, no, no, no." And I said, "Well, here's here's what's going to happen. You are not going through the fence tonight. I am stopping yeah. you. I'm going to fix this fence tonight because I was fixing that stupid chain link fence every damn night. My wife's yelling at me." <laughs> uh, so the guy starts he's like you ain't stopping me oh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do do my thing and i was like no you're not and he's like oh well, i'm gonna kick your ass and i said that's funny uh you just told me your little story about two felonies you're trespassing because you're in the property you went down the little alley you're yeah. going through the fence that's been cut so now you're gonna get blamed for that and now you're you're threatening to kick my ass well let's do it dude <laughs> and that yeah, doesn't sound like me, a guy down on his luck right and he's he's looking at me and he's like what i said let's do it i ain't afraid of you said, you're gonna kick my ass let's do it but you're not getting through that fence and he's like fine so he moves his bite his little vespa down puts it back into the street and i got my stance and i knuckled up and i was like oh crap here we go i got flip-flops on this dude's <laughs> gonna bust my toes up um and 
finally he backed down and jumped on his Vespa, took off, went to um, Stanton, cut the fence back there. Then he's <laughs> running past me, and as he's driving by, he's flipping me off. <laughs> it's like, yeah, screw you too. We got you on camera. PD comes by. <laughs> beat the PD comes by because they see me fixing the fence. Right. You know, they're doing their, their rounds, and so they're, hey, what's up? I said, I'm glad to see you guys. Here he is. I got a picture of him. Uh, this is our confrontation. All right. So ran into the guys later on, and they're like, yep, bike was stolen. He's supposed to be living over in, off of Brookhurst and this and that. We caught him, arrested him. All right, cool. So something positive happened. <laughs> Two felonies. I'm going to kick your ass. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Here's, I don't want to minimize what you've said because – it's it's your experience. It's what you've lived through, and it sucks. Uh, it, it does. It sucks. We when we moved here, we had homeless people. Like there's an apartment building next to us, and it has like a really deep um, area of grass, and there'd be people that would sleep back there and camp out back there. And um, I'm not fond of that. I don't want my wife walking our dog and being harassed by people. Um, I'm not fond of that at all. Yeah, exactly. I'm not Stanford fond of it. Colorado Valley. And it's, <laughs> it is, wow, that it is bad out there. And yeah, then, it's really bad out there. Los Angeles Portland. County has 50 something thousand homeless people. It's you know, crazy. I went to Portland um, but, for work. <laughs> they are brazen enough to ask you for specific dollar amounts. Give me five bucks. Oh my God. And it's like, uh, no, nah, I, I, I don't hand out directly to homeless. I've, I've spoken to the various law enforcement agencies. Do not give your money directly to them. Go to the various programs that are attempting to help um so that's they're, what they're, they're like in lethbridge too that's they will my ask end for game. Specific hey, dollar amounts. people stop handing money directly to them you're not helping you're you're creating worse of a problem um so that that just flipped me out they were going from our hotel to the various conferences and these guys and they're following you and they're they're on you because they, they know that people are gonna cave that you know all right just leave me alone here i just take everything i got it's like <laughs> well, here, you know what though you know what though there everybody has their stories that's where i was heading with this yeah everybody has their stories and i don't doubt their stories and you know i know i need to do a better and anyone listening to this because we'll promote this in the buena park group anybody listening to this i know that i need to do a better job of letting you know that i appreciate your story but here's why i sometimes tend to look like i'm dismissing your story your stories do nothing to change the, the situation yeah. You know, um, we have to do something to change the situation. And you were talking before, you know, and what gets me is the very same people who rail against the homeless are those who say, you know, if we could just help one person, just one person, we would be better off. Just whatever program, social program they come up with, if it helps one person, it's a good thing. Well, why are we opposed to a homeless shelter? Because I'm going to say, if it helps one person, it's a good thing. I mean, what Judge Carter did in my opinion, is brilliant. Um, and you know what? Uh, if you're if you're observant, you can use this in discussions. You, you what he did was he he asked the people who are the defendants how many what percentage you think are just going to want to stay on the street and don't want help, and they were of course like eighty percent. And then the plaintiffs said that's not true; it's only twenty percent. So he brought in the police chiefs from across the county. And they basically came to a consensus that it was 40%. So he looked at the defendants and he said, can you agree to 40%? Sure. He looked at the plaintiffs. Can you agree to 40%? 
Sure. And then he said, what about the 60% then that we agree are in need of help? What about those 60%? And every time someone would say, look, Your Honor, those 25 people at that park, they've been camping out there. They want to live there. I don't care. What about the 60%? And that's what I say. I say, what about the people who want help? Um, and his deal is, if you take that 60% off the street, perhaps you can figure some things out to help other people avoid being homeless. Because as we talked about it towards mm-hmm. the opening of the show, the timing is everything. It's like, do you ever watch, do you ever watch like that show, The First 48? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. It's a, it's a show about, about, um, I know of it, detective. Yeah. 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 And, and, it's critical. Yeah. and the theory is they have 48 hours to get a lead or they're going to have a hard time finding the person. And I think it's like that with homelessness. I think you have a certain amount of time to get your butt back in gear or you're pretty much stuck in that rut for a very, very, we have a lady that has, since I've lived here, she kind of moves around the different streets, but she has her car and she sleeps in her car. She bathes somewhere because she's not dirty. Uh, she goes to work every day, but our suspicion is she either has something on her record, um, super terrible credit. Something's keeping her from getting a place to live because she's making money and that person's homeless. They need help somehow. Um, one of the things I've heard of other cities doing is the police chief will kind of vouch for the person to the landlord and say, look, I've ran their record. They did make one mistake, but they've paid for it and they've never done anything since. You know, could you please help them out and let them? And they do because so a letter of reference kind of trust. from the police department. That's outstanding. Yeah. And I mean, that's I think that's where we need to head. We need to head as a community. We need to all pull together. I understand like, you know, like I'm, I'm going to kind of list off a few things. Now, people in your neighborhood were saying the housing values were going to go down. Well, that's not what what the real world says. Real world says housing values stay in, either declining or or rising at the same rate. They always were. Um, it's actually worse to have the homeless roaming the streets for your home values than it is to have them in a shelter. Um, people over by the industrial, yeah, yes, and people over in the industrial area are complaining that their home values are going to go down. But really, like my wife said the other day, it it that's as a that's a function of where they live. They live next to an industrial area where trucks are in and out all the time. People don't want to pay for that high value um, prices. So bottom line, I think I, 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 I totally get where you're coming from with your stories and those things would piss me off too, but don't you want to be able to say that you don't have to deal with that ever again? I think the answer is yes to that, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I, you know, so, I do think there help. is how to help. I think that's the, how do we do it? Um, and like you just said, the timing is critical. Um, I think self-accountability is critical. Uh, a lot of people sure. nowadays are, you know, they're not doing that. There's no sacrifice. It's I want, I want, I want, and I get it. And then all of a sudden everything goes wrong and they don't make any adjustments. That, you know, I, we did that. I, you know, we, you know, got the cable, got the cell phone, got this. And all of a sudden I'm going, oh shit, we got nowhere to live. <laughs> Uh, well, let's right. get rid I mean, of all this stuff and start building I've back up. Through that. I've lived through that. You know, when I w- when I went through my divorce, um, I spent you know three months couch surfing and sleeping in my vehicle. Um, but uh, a lot of that was due to the 
legal situation that was going on. It made things very difficult. But once that was cleared up and I took a hold of it, um, I found a roommate and I moved in. You know what I mean? Who wants to be in their mid 40s living with a roommate? You know, no, nobody really wants to do that. But guess what? It was what I had to do. So I did it. Um, didn't have cable TV. Um, had, you know, the smallest, because I'm a technology guy, I had to have internet. So I had the smallest internet connection I could afford to pay for. You know, you just do, you get Job by. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you do what I you have to do. Three jobs. It was, it yeah, was there you go. And I was fortunate I had family to help me out with boys because it was, it yes, was me to reading in the morning. And then it was, I worked at Target for afternoons and then evenings I was managing a club <laughs> and it's like, I got no sleep. And yeah. Good for you though. That, that was a that rough should be. half you know, year, should be. but you know, self-sacrifice and, and it's like, okay, I, I screwed up enough. Let's uh, turn this stuff around. Met my uh, future wife. She saw something glimmering in me and luckily she took a chance. So that helped out too. <laughs> sure. So, okay. We're going to, we're going to wrap this up here pretty soon, but what I wanted to do was kind of ask you to like, um, kind of summarize your feelings about our discussion and, um, you know, also invite you, like, you know, you ever have other issues or even the same issue that you want to come on and talk about, you're welcome back anytime. Sweet. Um, so I, you know, I felt the conversation went very positive. Um, you, you guys do have a lot of good, good facts and numbers. You have good opinions. Um, I don't residential. That is such a tough conversation. Um, you know, just like you said, they're they're the homeless are already out on the street. They're already near the kid. The bad people are going to do bad things. Um, for anybody that's listening, uh, I'd like to reiterate what the various police departments are saying: stop doing direct handouts. You know, donate your money to the various programs. Find one that you like that you respect. Volunteer. Um, I, we did the, we did the photo ops last year for Christmas. Uh, I built that crazy, um, Christmas stuff in my front yard and we were trying to get donations for it. Uh, unfortunately it got a little twisted in some people's minds because I was asking for $5 per person. And it was kind of a, more of a self-preservation of the stuff I built. I didn't want to just have hundreds and hundreds of people coming over and trampling our stuff. <laughs> sure. But we did raise almost $500 on it. So that was pretty cool and gave it to giving children hope. Um, so That's the best approach is, you know, Patrick's absolutely right. People, you need to get involved. You need to volunteer. You need to, if you have the means, donate your money. If you don't have the means, donate your time. And guess what? We're all really busy, but if you could find a half an hour to donate your time, they appreciate it. I, I spent months going to Bridges Shelter and working with a program called Jobs for Life, and we found a lot of people jobs, and it wasn't job training that we gave them. We taught them how to get through an interview. We taught mm-hmm. them how to remind them, you got to shake hands when you meet Confidence somebody, and here's how you shake hands, and just kind of the basic things that they had forgotten. And then we also, on the other side of that coin, we went out to places like Chick-fil-A and Best Buy and we made connections with managers of stores and we said, okay, look, we got these people that are homeless. Some of them are going to be felons, but we've put them through a program. We've vetted them. We've done background checks. We've made sure they're not violent criminals. Would you be willing to employ them? And most of the people said yes. And so we, and we also had really strict rules. 
these were, oh my gosh, it was eight weeks of classes and um, they were two hours each class. So 16 hours. If you missed two classes, you were out of the program until the next time. And so, you know, the idea wasn't, it wasn't just to teach and people were like, oh, that's mean. Well, it's not mean because what happens, what would happen if you don't show up for your job? Consistency and accountability. You, you have right. to follow the rules at some point. I, I think that's right. and one of the hardest things that gets lost with this whole um, homeless stuff. That When if you work 40 hours and you only show up for 30, they're going to fire you. Yep. <laughs> last so, year oh my god i was sick the whole year i'm thankful they didn't fire me for it <laughs> well and you know being sick that's different and i think i think your oh, boys probably bad. knew that but but my gosh just not showing up and so you know but we graduated a lot of people we got them jobs and um i get messages sometimes on facebook from some of them saying thank you for taking the time to come out and talk to us and treat us like human beings and so before you I let, i'm gonna let you finish but before i let you finish i'm just gonna say this one thing People, when you see homeless people, they may scare you, et cetera, but they're not animals. They're human beings. Please don't treat them like they're animals. The, the thing that broke my heart the most was I went out with Wayne and Park PD to count homeless people. And we asked a lady, is there anything we can do for you? And you know, the only thing she wanted was for us to let the rest of society know that they're not animals. And that broke my heart because can you imagine how bad people were treating that lady for that to be the one thing she wanted? as help you know so, and like myself i don't like giving direct handouts i'm respectful no thank you no no can do you know i'm not sitting there oh get a job or you know screw you and yeah passing at them and stuff no it's say there's no need for that. on your luck <laughs> you don't need me hammering down on you more you know um so i, I feel good dude we had a good conversation yeah I'm, i really i do appreciate you being here so um, but I think it's time for it, it's that time. What do you say, honey? I say it's probably time for goodnight, everyone. Hey, bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Nightly Rant. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. If you didn't enjoy the show, please just ignore that previous request for a rating. This has been a Yogi's Podcast Network production. 